0: Welcome to Keeping It Secure, the HashiCast show about security trends, cloud adoption challenges, and security innovation. Join your hosts, DevOps Rob and DevOps Adil, as we tackle the complexities of cloud security and industry-wide challenges. All right, here we go. Episode two, Keeping It Secure. We are back. Uh, I am your co-host, DevOps Rob. I'm joined by my other co-host, the deal? Say hey to the people. Hello, people. (laughs) Well, we've got an interesting one today. An interesting one. Again, keeping it authentic, keeping it natural, keeping it unplanned. This came up, what, 10 minutes ago? Something like that? That's right, yeah. 10 minutes ago, yeah. 10 minutes ago, right? So, HashiCorp has recently uh, released a, I don't know what to call it. It's a, a study, right? Or a survey, right? It's a survey. Uh, which they call the state of the cloud. Um, And just to kind of give you the context, right, they reached out to, the number is 300,000 people, right, for which we all had opt-in email addresses for, and asked them uh, a series of questions. I think it's 34 questions in total uh, to try and understand kind of the mindset towards the cloud and the different sectors. And there's a lot of things that have been kind of, distilled from this survey. Altogether, they probably had like just over a 1% kind of response rate. So there's about 3,000 responses to uh, what was sent out there. Um, So I guess today we're just we're gonna talk about that. Um, So Adil, like you picked up on a couple of key things from there. Oh, and by the way, before I even throw it over to Adil, we will be posting links for all this attached to the the podcast and the video. So you can read this for yourself and, you know, digest it and let us know your views. But Adil, going over to you, there were some things that you picked up from the survey that you kind of wanted to draw attention to and discuss a little bit more. So uh, tell us which parts.
1: Yeah, um, so what, it's, uh, it's interesting and, and, and I'm, I'm actually super glad that uh, we've, We've taken the initiative to to bring this survey out, uh, send out, and um, We, we as as I've mentioned before, we're not a platform. We're a platform enabler, and we fit really nicely, uh, in that kind of multi cloud space, right? As you fits it, really nicely there. Um, and having this of this survey come out, um, really shines light on understanding where the overall industry or industries are, um, around that kind of cloud operating model. Um, having been a previous customer uh, or, or previous uh, kind of uh, working in a previous enterprise right, uh, in financial services, and uh, some of the discussions you and I have been having as well, a lot of these uh, I feel somewhat validated. Uh, although my observations have been you know, singular or kind of isolated to my experiences, but it, it it feels that those observations are aligned with pretty much the rest of the industry. And um, for example where it says 47% of the respondents are saying that security is a top cloud inhibitor. So you know, they're pretty much being the blockers. And then, funnily enough, if you break that down even further, you see that most of that 47% is coming from the financial services sector, who are uh, who feel that it's the cloud that's stopping them from, uh, or let's just say it is... Uh, uh, Essentially, being a blocker towards going fully multi-cloud. So I thought that was interesting because it, it reins into back. It comes back to obviously some of the stuff that we were talking about is the the especially around the kind of typical enterprise challenges uh, in and obviously within financial services where they are highly regulated. Security takes a, 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 um has a huge weight uh, in your general um, it uh, technology. So that obviously it it is it, not it's not surprising, but it's somewhat uh, uh I, I, I is kind of aligns with with the thinking that we have. The other thing that was uh, I also picked up on is that how some of the drivers. So they'll say, what are the drivers uh to, to multi cloud? And uh, what's come out is that actually thirty four percent are saying that digital transformation uh is the single or top driver for, for, for multi-cloud strategy. Um, again, that also aligns with some of the observations I've had or from my experience. Um, if, you, if you take the top-down approach, it's always that digital transformation in all. So that, you know, including the, your whole kind of workplace technology and that whole end-user uh, 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 c- consumption model, uh, you know, end-user kind of IT all the way to your business applications and um, uh, your, you um, say, infrastructure and technology services internally, providing that as a service to their internal customers, all of that comes under digital transformation and how that also plays a a huge role in being multi-cloud. So those are two things that really have have come out to me. And I feel like that report, again, goes through actually different industries, uh, uh, varies in in, in different industries. But uh, all in all, these are two things that seems to be Pretty much, the the, the top digital, transform being a, digital transformation being the top driver, and uh, uh, security being kind of the largest blocker. Um, funnily enough, it also says that in other industries, security was um, uh, an enabler, um, which I felt was quite interesting as well. So uh, yeah, those those really kind of for me, and the reason why I kind of thought they they stood out is that it, it seems to make sense, or it seems to be aligned with. The, in, the, the typical enterprise challenges that you and I have been discussing, uh, uh, especially around kind of governance and security, and these challenges, um, now we can see this cascading effect, where actually, if we look at financial services, before I've said what did I say? It was 37%, did I say? Uh, all in all? Um, about 40, uh, security 47, 47, 47 yeah, 47, 47, yeah, we see. Yeah, and, but then if you go specifically in financial services, Within financial services, it's fifty nine percent. You know, fifty nine percent of financial services are saying securities is is a broker. Um, so to see that cascading effect, uh, understanding that actually how much of a um, industry wide uh, 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 kind of outward ripple effect this is having, uh, and and if this doesn't, I, I almost feel like it's at this tipping point. You know, where some things that you, you have this kind of boiling point, right? Everything has a, a boiling point, a point you kind of bust, right? At the point where something needs to happen. And I think that in my experience, in, in, my, in my previous role, where we've seen that at very small scale, as in a single organisational scale, we saw that tipping point and then we thought, now, right, we need to really overhaul and restructure and understand that where security can or should be uh, taking this position within the kind of cloud strategy. and now looking at these percentages uh, and data uh, and industry-wide oh, oh wait fair enough is only one percent of respondents that come to us but that one percent is, is still quite a, a huge number right 3,000 respondents would be 3,000 organizations I would assume um, so th- that still gives a good reflection of what it what that it looks like in the industry um, and I feel like there will be a tipping point and at which point there is a a paradigm shift yet to come for security, just like we had a paradigm shift for IT, as in moving away from manual work to using the likes of Puppet and Ansible, just like we've had this paradigm shift for for network automation. And all of these paradigm shifts that's happened, say say since the early 2000s or mid 2000s, or even virtualization, for example, from bare metal to virtualization, another paradigm shift. So from early 2000s to date, We've had these paradigm shifts in all of these different parts of the IT stack. What's missing, or what the paradigm shift is yet to happen, is security. And this kind of tells a story. Or I feel that, and I may not be in a good position to be able to give that kind of prediction, right? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it out there. A paradigm shift is it, going to happen. There will be a paradigm shift yet to happen for security.
0: I think um, so. What we'll do is we'll, we'll just kind of look at the, the the top cloud inhibitors by industry, just to kind of build the patterns and get a more holistic view on what's going on. According to our um, our sample size for the survey, which is one percent, right, which is the uh, the just over three thousand of the three hundred thousand that we asked to participate, right. So the top cloud inhibitors by industry. Uh, So we have software or services industry and cost was the the biggest barrier to entry, right? Um, As Adil's already mentioned, uh, the financial services industry was 59% are saying security is the biggest barrier to entry. Then we go to public sector uh, and it's 53% of public sector organizations say lack of skills is the biggest barrier to entry. Now, here's an interesting one, which is often overlooked. Healthcare and biotech. Healthcare and biotech is pretty comparable to financial services in more ways than one. And they are saying that security is the biggest blocker. And they that makes yeah. for 52% of those organizations there, right? Just breaking down the last three industries, we have consumer goods and retail. Uh, again, they're coming back to lack of skills, and that's 51% of them. Entertainment and media, uh, they are putting it down to cost, 60% of that industry. And finally, the telco industry, 53% of them are also saying cost. So I think just from this sample size, I'm already uh, starting to see a pattern here, right? If you look at those industries, the software services, financial services, public sector, healthcare and biotech, consumer goods and retail, entertainment and media, and telco. Of these industries, that's five different industries there, I'd say three of them are regulated. Two of those three are heavily regulated, right? So I know in the UK, we, we, we have a, a telecommunications industry, and there are regulators around that to make sure that they are not kind of ripping us off. And, you know, there's all sorts of compliance things that they have to adhere to, right? But I think that's more about controlling the market. When you start to think about how the financial services is regulated, when you start to think about healthcare and biotech, the two are very, very similar you know they they have very strict and stringent controls around you know our our uh, our data our our you know our dna and any any kind of thing about us that they hold is is very very closely guarded and it has to be because you know if if you break these compliance uh, uh, requirements well, then licenses get revoked, and those licenses effectively put a lot of these companies out of business. It's those licenses that enable them, right? You think about the financial services, right? So, um, what are they call it in the UK, the FCA is the, uh, the, F-
1: the FCA, the yeah, F- FSA now actually. Uh, so, the, yeah, the change. Yeah, they
0: changed it too, have change to FSA now. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So, that you know, they have very strict controls. I think, Adil, just from some of your experience working in the past, you have some knowledge of some of these controls, which uh, when I finish speaking, it'd be great if you can kind of share some of your knowledge around that, because maybe it will give some context, right? But the key thing I'm trying to say here is that you have the he- heavily regulated industries have the same concerns, right? Um, and I don't really think the cloud security is the reason for these concerns in that sense, right? I think if you look at the way that cloud providers have approached security, we have very rich RBAC built into all the cloud providers. You have uh, a lot of uh, encryption by default built into it. You have even like a lot of these security services uh, offered as a service as well to add layers on top. If you go with that definition of defense in depth, for example, you know, you have a lot of functionality and features built into these cloud providers so for security to be the number one concern the number one thing that's blocking you from implementing a cloud strategy it tells me that the mindset of that industry has not been migrated right or maybe they're not so open and you know I I I understand it if I'm honest with you right I think when when you what's that saying with with um What is it it with with great something comes responsibility? (laughs) Great power comes great responsibility. Thank you. Right. Okay. Thank you. My mind went blank there. Right. So financial services, you think about that industry there, that's what underpins the world economy, right? That's power. That's power right there. You know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. You think about healthcare and biotech, that's about our survival as humans. You have to think about that, right? There's a lot of power in that. So with that responsibility, it can make people very nervous, very paranoid and understandably so. Right. So I guess one of the things that we want to do here, uh, and I think this is a good reason why this, this survey can kind of uncover some of these issues is we can start to maybe try to understand at a more lower level, a more granular level. What are some of these concerns and why do you have these concerns? Right. And then, once we have that understanding, maybe then we can move forward and try to address some of these concerns. Maybe it turns out that some of the the things that that, uh, some of these uh, people are worried about are, in fact, founded, and we don't have a good solution for that. And it's only until we have these conversations that we know that, okay, that's that's a real problem. We need to solve that. We need to find a way to solve that. And then we can start solutionizing. You can't solutionize if you don't understand the problem, right? Um, So this... I think this is, this is brilliant for giving us the 30,000 foot view of, of where the industry is at. I really wish that we had more than the 1% that responded, but I still feel like that sample size that we've got, it tells a, uh, a very kind of, uh, accurate story as to where people's mindsets are. You know, these are not, I don't think these are kind of edge case kind of respondents. Um, so with that, I just kind of want to throw it back to a deal. So we were talking about the heavily regulated industries and, you know, you, you've got some experience working in the financial sector. So in terms of regulation, what are some of the things, some of the challenges that you as an engineer and some of the the security professionals that you had to work alongside? What are some of the things that you had to kind of deal with and how do they translate into uh, migrating some or all of your workloads to the cloud over a period of time?
1: Come from my experience, right? One thing I, I would say is that when I was working with security, what I had observed was that the the line between security and governance was was kind of blurred. Um, and it was almost like they were operating as one unit and one team. Uh, and there were times where I, I I've observed security asking questions which were directly relevant for governance Uh, and the same goes for governance, but I suppose governance kind of overlaps anyways, right, governance generally would overlap with security but security uh, uh, would, should if we were to make that distinction security wouldn't concern themselves with say backup and recovery rather they would concern themselves with the threat model and the attack factor etc but I've, I've noticed that you know that kind of line kind of blurred, uh, and I, I think that's understandable as well, given the overlap. But reason why I, I'm saying that, and uh, reason why I'm trying to point that out is that I do feel that this security, and, and as you've kind of pointed out as well, right, the fact that they're heavily regulated. So heavy regulation yeah, is, uh, uh, uh well, a is driven by regulating body, but the responsibility in terms of, form if we do the whole kind of Racy model, that whole responsibility and accountability would lie with the governance team. Or the risk and governance team, um, and any from that any kind of cascading effects of uh, the policies and, and actions or controls thereafter would be driven by that team. So, if we would, in my in my view, that report where it says that fifty two percent, as in like the majority uh, of financial services, healthcare are saying that security is is, is a blocker. Um, I feel that's security and governance, and and, and it, it's representing both uh, uh, in that context. That's what I feel is, uh, it is uh, really coming out from that, and and this is from my experience with you know working in financial services. That you know the pain, I say pain, the, the challenges uh, and the pain points were uh, um, establishing a kind of smooth workflow, uh, or or how is it that they can not be a hindrance towards us in moving the workload. And uh, um, they were also kind of the primary stakeholder because obviously prior to that I've worked in, I've worked in telco know I've worked in, um, uh, even in kind of uh, a, a startup, where well, it's, it's financial service, but a startup, right? Where security in general uh, has been, um, the weight of their, or the weight of security has been great. Uh, and uh, um, Or it's been kind of a, a, like an afterthought, uh, well, even though we we all know that, that that generally has been the culture, or traditionally has been the culture that securities and Arthur fought, but that was more profound, you know, uh, in terms of like, okay, with with um, the work that I did in, in the banks, for example, right, it, it was always dependent on okay what would they think or what's the you know what's the government we need to much get governance approval but if you see even the process that they have everything's revolved around security and governance and um whether they're involved in you know change requests whether they are involved in kind of architectural approvals all of this stuff it all revolves around that and um even the workloads like you're talking about so application workload migration like one of the last uh, one of the first or rather pilot applications that I was involved in migrating in the last role um, was a um, FCA PRA uh, regulated application and it needs so it had to go as far as where actually they needed even direct intervention from PRA uh, uh, PRA and FCA regulated bodies uh, for them to approve okay what you've got there uh, Ticks all the you know checkboxes and uh, we approve for this application. So at that point, it's no longer it's not just a, the bank itself in its entirety that's regulated. That application in, in itself is has a separate regulation around it, and. Um, So at that point, everything that security and um, governance will do is to meet those requirements and conditions um, that FCMPRA would do when they come in and do those checks. And at which point say, hey, you're good to go. And then there's a whole kind of celebration and basically say, okay, now we can uh, move our uh, production workloads uh, uh, into uh, the cloud uh, on that same environment. So... I think what i'm trying what I was trying to say is that you're hundred percent spot on right and uh, with that pattern that we're seeing as security being a blocker it's uh, it's all because of that higher regulation and 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 true you're right is that the impact is you know is 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 devastating uh, and I would say public sector is there as well even though the public sector' is showing that you know' lack of skills right uh, the, but the public sector was uh, also gonna go through those kind of regulations and um Although I haven't worked in public sector, I I have a former colleagues and and um, friends who do work in public sector, and, and anecdotally, um, they uh, the the workflow or the blockers are so severe that as in like some of the projects that we've done in two quarters, it, it's it, it's quite normal uh, in public sector to go to you know stretch to two years. Uh, and 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 most of it is due to those governance model or, or approvals uh, approval flows uh that's what, uh, is blocking them but um, again at the same time I wouldn't be surprised at the, the lack of skill sets there and and I, I reckon that's to do with kind of um public sector pay and uh, uh, and also kind of the flexibility of trying to get um the contractor workforce uh there's probably obviously there's a, a numerous things there but uh but for sure um the, the lack of skills would have an effect. I, If anything, I am surprised though that the lack of skills was the number one blocker for public sector. I would still would have thought security would be that number one blocker.
0: The last time I worked, you know let me even just quickly check my LinkedIn because my memory is hazy these days, right? The last time I worked in financial services was in 2013, right? In 2013 I worked for what was at the time the fourth largest hedge fund in the world right and my role there was around identity and access management right it's quite low level uh to the ground just managing the identities and it was very heavily regulated that industry and then internally the way that compliance and governance would would scrutinize everything was very very thorough um so my experience isn't Anywhere near as recent as yours. You know, I'm approaching nine, uh, nine, ten years or something like that, right? Since since I worked in that sector there. Um and I guess the experience that that we have is from the the industry itself, but maybe not from the regulators, right? So I think a key question here is as as a company operating within the industry, there are regulations that you have to abide by, right? You have to comply with, you have to be able to evidence, right? But are these regulations actually up to date, right? Do they consider um, the evolution of computing, the evolution of the cloud, right? Are the, even even security, you know, like in terms of uh, cryptography and the, the requirements to protect certain types of data, you know, are the controls dated, or have they adapted and evolved to the way that the world has worked? Um, and that's probably something that you're in a better position to have an insight on than I am, because, like I say, I'm approaching almost ten years since I worked in that industry, um, and a lot has changed in that time.
1: Yeah, you're you're spot on. As the question that you've asked there is, uh, you know, the hundred percent right question to ask, uh, and ultimately we found um, the root of the problem, or I say the root of the the problem to be very close to, uh, or to be around uh, that regulation piece. Um, So it could be, basically there's two things or two challenges we had, right? uh, um, In my previous role. Um, So me and my my manager uh, um, that I I used to report to at the time, he he now works for Google Cloud. And um, we were really, we had this, we really built this momentum around kind of shifting that uh, uh, the the whole concept of security and governance uh, it, um, and how that should work in, in the cloud and that workflow, all from a kind of uh, high level. What does that look like? As in that whole cloud operating model, what that looks like, and we. Really built good momentum around, as in we eventually sort start, started buying, uh, getting buy-ins from security and governance, and you know we worked really well together uh, to establish a good workflow. Uh, and then at which point you start uncovering other layers of challenges, right? It, once you've you know gone, once you kind of resolve one challenge, you think you know yeah you you're done, but actually that's when you start that that was just one layer, right? And then you start uncovering these other layers, and um, we got to a point where. Um, my old manager's name is Grant, so Grant and I were, um, we were even like, you know, we would have discussions about say, you know what, we want to take on FCA, or we want to, we would actually start looking at their 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 principles and their and their like their guiding principles and. Um, uh, be, uh, well, or, you know, aspirationally uh, we want to be in a position where we would want to either you know, work with them or, you know, take them on it, it's, it's a huge undertaking uh, for sure, but it's to understand uh, either their the guiding principles uh, and that's what we really looked into and I started looking into it, digging into it, right um So coming back to that two challenges I was telling you, right, the two challenges we had was that the first challenge was Enterprises didn't really know or understood, they didn't really understand the guiding principles so well, because it was uh, ambiguous, to say the least, Uh, because they're very high level. Uh, So they're open to, you know, multiple interpretations. And the problem is with the the governance team and the security team, uh, they... They didn't feel confident, and and, and and this is not a criticism in any way, but and I, I, I think, if anything, with empathy, I would say that you know, they didn't feel confident or safe to take, you know, um, a, say, uh, uh, a riskier uh, interpretation. I say riskier here, like a lean interpretation. Uh, and they felt that they wanted to take the safer option, and then they went for the, the heavier Interpretation for that. For example, uh, one of the guidance that I was reading from the FCA were about um, sensitive data uh, and uh, the the state of storage from an encryption perspective. And uh, so, in, at a high level, uh, it says obviously it must be uh, um, encrypted. Um, but then, when you start digging into it and reading that, uh, the FCA are they say, the they, they put it in their footnotes, like their guidelines off, they get their guidelines from uh, NCSC, National Cyber Security uh, Center, uh, which has a whole cloud security guidance. Uh, I'll send a link. And um, that, 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 that goes quite deep into, okay, what do they mean, right? And at that point, they talk about, okay, if the... Uh, um, uh, so FCA will talk about, okay, if you're encrypting the data, then you must show evidence about uh, managing the encryption key and rotation and et cetera, et cetera. But what it does is say if you go that it takes the cloud guidance, if you look at the cloud security guidance at the NCSC, it says that okay, however, if the cloud is managing that encryption for you, then they've already covered that piece, you know, the rotation and managing the keys, et cetera, et cetera. So that's enough and you've covered your SLA. But when you don't and, and, and I mean and I say to be fair with Kind of uh the, the the governance team of an enterprise or security team of an enterprise right, they, they um they haven't d- 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 dug deep and maybe they haven't got that guidance from FCA thinking that okay FCA's guidelines and maybe FCA is kind of fronting it saying our guidelines should be enough for you to work out what you need to do, um, but unfortunately it's 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 very high level and it's ultimate to multiple interpretation it's when we have technical pers- persons like myself uh, and Grant and we're we obviously start digging deep and realise that actually no, you know you can. Uh, or if you talk about networking, for example, they talk about uh, network segmentation. Uh, what they don't say is that, uh, and that you get that from NCSC uh, that says, oh, however, if the network is so large, at which point you should treat it, treat it like it's, it's a public internet, i.e., it's not trusted, so don't even bother with segmentation. So it's it, it it's come back to my experience with regulation. Yes, there are problems with regulations um, in the sense that. I do feel that there is. They have made massive effort in updating their, uh, their, their regulations in the sense that so NCSC National Cyber Security uh, Center, they've definitely made massive, uh, um, uh, changes and massive efforts around making those and I, and from what I understand, uh, they also. Advocating, they're going from town, you know, town to town, centre to centre, uh, department to department, advocating all of this. Obviously, within public sector, so um, GDS, the government digital service, uh, are, are kind of responsible for really uh, doing the whole technology overf- overhaul, turning them you know, towards more cloud native for each of these different uh, public departments. Uh, so NCSC is very heavily influenced. However, FCA. Um, Although they, you know they mentioned that their guidelines are based on NCSC, they haven't been so specific, uh, uh, especially around the kind of cloud security piece. And It's been very high level, uh, which obviously allows for interpretation. And uh, so, we, or well, we you know were confident by reading NCSC guidelines that yeah we can go with the lean approach, and we're confident that we'll get we have those uh, regulatory uh, compliant. Um, but then obviously. We're, we're not in compliance I said we don't have 20 years of experience in compliance right and <laughs> so our words against the the words of uh, the compliance teams uh, does does fall short um, but it, all, all in all the, I think in summary uh, what I'm saying is that there is um, definitely a need uh, uh, from F, from the regulating uh, from the regulating bodies uh, maybe to make it more friendly uh, uh, kind of enterprise friendly uh, uh, but uh, to be more specific around the cloud security guidelines, first of all, but also, I think there is a massive need for our governance team and security team to also kind of update themselves to understand and really kind of dig deep to see what does that look like? What are your guidelines look like in reflection? How does it reflect when it comes to the cloud? uh, And then start digging deep?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I think everything you're saying as well is probably very applicable to the healthcare and the, uh, the kind of biotech industry as well. I think it's, I don't know whether it's that the, the, the uh, regulations need to be updated or whether it's the language needs to be the language. Yeah. It's the language. Definitely. And then yeah. I think there also needs to be a lot of effort to keep up with the times. It's like, I can remember we'll take Azure for example Uh, I can remember when I first started learning uh, how to use Azure like uh, some years back uh, working at this email service provider and you know I learned it pretty well I was writing a lot of scripts around it I built a lot of workflows uh, a lot of immature stuff you do when you first move to the cloud um, that you don't realize that you probably shouldn't be doing because you still got that same data center mindset and trying to bring that to the cloud right we're all guilty of that so don't feel bad if, if you're doing that or you've done that in the past we've all gone through that journey it's all part of growth right but then I left that company and went to kind of work on other platforms right so I didn't use Azure for maybe about a year and a half or something like that and then when I came back to Azure everything was different like so different right so I was like wow what happened to this what happened to that and oh, they're calling it this now. Ah, and they've changed the way that this works under the hood. So, you know, all the scripts that I had before that were working perfectly, they don't work anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it's it's a challenge to keep up with the cloud providers. It feels like every every two weeks uh, with Azure, for example, something new comes out or something existing changes, right? Um, and with that, if how it, how it works under the hood is going to change, then the interpretation that you mentioned of some of these regulations now where you might have been in compliance maybe you're not so compliant anymore right um, and I think that's that's a really difficult challenge not just for the regulators but for the industry as well how do you keep up with the technological changes to make sure that your implementations are compliant equally how do the regulators keep up with the language that they're putting out to make sure that actually it's um, you know, it's, it's still relevant to the way that clouds are operating. And there will always be patterns, right? Um, across the clouds, you know, when, once you learn how to use a cloud, that this it's a similar kind of approach and methodology when you go to any cloud, which is why um, there's a certain part of the report that that's kind of interesting to me, right? Uh, and it's, uh, what are the most significant challenges hindering your ability to operationalize multi-cloud? And this question allows the participants to select uh, up to three answers. And funnily enough, the number one reason that prevents people from operationalizing in a multi fashion is skills shortages. right? And and the reason why I find that interesting is, you know... I. I I often get this question, I, I talk to a lot of, a lot of people, I, I, maybe you can call it mentoring, I talk to a lot of people who are um, just making their first steps in, in their journey of becoming a software engineer or a DevOps engineer or whatever it is, right, and a lot of them say to me, what's the best cloud and which is the best cloud to learn, right, and I, I find that question funny because it's like when you say to someone who wants to be a software engineer, what's the best programming language? In reality, like when you talk about clouds, it's like potato, potato, right? They all pretty much do the same things, right? Um, you know, they all provide compute as a service. They all give you uh, things like um, cryptography as a service is, is is a new kind of wave. They all have uh, some kind of identity and access management built in. There's They offer pretty much everything, right? So all you have to kind of learn is it's like learning syntax, right? If you understand when you're programming just how applications work, how you you have things like a database and how it writes to a database and things like encrypting data in transit and you understand the mechanics of flow and how to catch errors, error handling, you understand these things here. As for implementing that, that's just syntax. You know, syntax, anyone can learn, right? So when you think about the cloud, like, Azure, for example, they, they have virtual machines. Now, how is a virtual machine made up in Azure where well, you have uh, the virtual machine itself, you have network interface cards, which you attach to the virtual machine, and you have disks, right? So you can kind of take your on-premise knowledge of how you built a server, right? You, you buy a server, and when you buy that server, you would have so many NICs that, that you've, you've bought along with it. You you'd buy a storage or whatever it is, and you can think about it in that kind of approach, right? When you go to... Uh, AWS, they, they do things a little bit differently. But ultimately, every VM is going to have a network interface card. It's going to have at least one disk, right? If you want more, you can you can add these things. You can attach it to it. And the same in GCP. It's potato, potato, right? You just need to just kind of take your knowledge and uh, realize it's transferable knowledge when it comes to other clouds, right? So I find it really interesting that skills shortages... Is is fifty seven percent of people said it's the number one thing hindering their ability to operationalize multi cloud. The other one that's interesting that really fits into the HashiCorp ethos, and it's the reason why I'm a big fan of HashiCorp, right? Is inconsistent workflows across cloud environments, right? Now I went to this workshop some years ago, um, hosted by Microsoft in. Um, they've got like this tech center they have in London, right, and there was a gentleman there, I really wish I could remember his name because he said something that that just, I, I would never forget it, right? He talks about the true meaning of hybrid cloud, right? And he said, a lot of people think that they have hybrid cloud, that they don't. They have some workloads in the data center and they have other workloads in the cloud, right? And maybe in Azure, for example. And he's saying, but the thing is, you don't really have hybrid cloud if the process to managing these things is completely different if you need a separate set of skills to manage what's on-prem versus what's in the cloud then you're not hybrid right so that's when and, and the point he was making is uh, uh, i think azure had this uh, i can't remember what they call it now but it's like a hybrid solution where you pretty much host uh, your own azure in your own data center and it's plumbed directly to azure i can't remember what they call it now um uh, And basically the same way that you manage in Azure will be the same way you manage on-prem, right? You basically provision compute on your actual infrastructure using this kind of Azure solution, right? And that is true hybrid. And I totally agree with that, right? Which is why when you look at um, inconsistent workflows across cloud environments, you think about things like Terraform, for example. If you want to provision infrastructure, it's the same workflow syntax is a little bit different you know you have to speak AWS language in Terraform right if you want to if you want to provision in AWS same for Azure same for GCP you have to speak those languages but you're still expressing yourself in Terraform right so it's still a consistent workflow you you just write some HCL but then you take that same workflow and you think about oh how do I configure a multi-crowd a secrets platform right how do I give myself this standard library that works across the clouds well this is where vault comes in right again i'm trying to not make this vendor specific but HashiCorp really in my opinion does the best job of any company out there in giving you a consistent workflow right so you know you could you can configure your vault server using hcl for example it's got a fully open api which you know anyone that writes code is very api friendly um you start thinking about things like Nomad. If you want to use that as your scheduler, the workflow is, is a similar workflow. It's the same syntax. Everything is very similar. The The point is, it's, it's funny that people see this as a hindrance to going multi-cloud, right? And HashiCorp, it's almost like we're, we're ahead of our time, right? Because this has been the ethos for many years, and people are only now starting to think about these things at this type of scale. How do you move to a multi-cloud kind of strategy? Um and i feel i feel like every time we we try to solve a problem we don't just think about this is this is the problem this is the solution we think well what's the developer experience right because if a developer has to work one way to do this but it has to work a different way to do that then it's 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 not going to be very uh a very nice and cohesive experience right so in fact, instead what we wouldn't do is offer consistent workflows and we won't be able to people to be able to bring their own workflows and use the tooling. And that mindset is, I think, what what more companies need to kind of take on board and and think about. It it really is the way to solve some of these challenges. Because, you know, we're talking about some, some big day two problems here at the end of the day, and you can't solve them in a way that's specific to a single platform. That's not the way to go, right? What we need to do is take that specific platform's use cases and needs into account and build holistic solutions, right? Um, so I think I'm going to throw it back to you because I feel like I've been going on quite a while. But just looking at this report, it's very insightful. There's a lot to unpack here. The
1: thing is, I, I, again, I, I'm gonna—I don't have—I can't back it up with data here, but I feel like the lack of skills or lack of shortage, right? That's—I think—is incorrect in the sense that. You're asking, I would say, they're thinking it wrong in the sense because you're, you're looking for a unicorn. When it comes to the, we're talking about multi-cloud challenges here, right? You're expecting um, someone to have uh, expert skill sets in all three clouds. Yes, you're right. Fundamentally, in principle, right? All three of them have the same fundamental, uh, um, same, same fundamentals, uh, and the same principles. Right? That you know, the the cloud has um, elevated. Uh, uh, the, the concept, or sh- it really kind sort of shifted the stack from being compute to now, be, you know, a bit beyond. And we're now actually, we, instead of talking IP, we're talking about identity. All of this stuff, right, all, all three clouds, or, you know, even beyond more clouds, they're all following those same principles. So that bit's okay. But then when you're, the, expect- so there's a number of different, like I said, there's a number of different challenges in so many different layers when it comes to multi-cloud. Now Terraform, it just is only one of those, right? Is that piece of that, like you said, that consistent workflow, the consistent kind of interface towards multiple clouds. And that's great. Uh, it, it does that. Where we fall short, and I've seen this, you know, with my, with my experience uh, in, in my previous role, is that we then, when it comes to cloud architecture, each cloud has their own uh, opinionated way, and they've designed their, their each of their products to be such that, you know, if you try to try apply a there's a difference between consistent workflow and consistent architecture. You can't get either. You know, consistent workflow is definite. It's okay to have inconsistent architecture as it like, i.e., is consistent to the cloud. I always, because you want to take advantage of the the, the native products and be native to that cloud. It's okay as long as like we like you said, we're consistent in delivering the use cases, and. Coming back to the previous part, where we talked about the regulations and stuff, right? In essence, one of the things when I was looking at uh, regulations and all that, when I went quite deep into it, one thing I understood, whether it's FCA or NCSE, right? It's all about the data. And it's all about PII data, if anything. When it comes to regulation, it's all about the PII data. Now, come back to, say, multi-cloud, and okay, how? when it comes to security in the multi-cloud, or even, you know, and once we talk about all the other challenges, right? Understand it's two. Like you said, you've mentioned one of them, which is the developer experience, right? The second is the the, the security of that data, the security of PIR data. If these are two things, in principle, would need to be consistent in how you are protecting it. For example, you know, one of the things would be that say, okay, we will deal with uh, uh, encryption of the data at the application level, maybe using vault transit, as an example, right? So we're now consistent in, in that we will. Uh, enable access to that data using the cloud-native IAM, so native to each of the clouds, uh, which is, yeah, fair enough, they're different, but that's because the the data is also stored in the different clouds, right? Um, But maybe we will centralize that workflow using the combination of Terraform Vault, right? So it's understanding where consistency makes sense. Yeah, and where it doesn't make sense, we need to, under, and this is where I feel the problem is, right? Is that everyone. It, Terraform is pretty much becoming ubiquitous, right? You, you know, a lot of people are not using cloud formation in favor of Terraform. Packer slowly is gaining traction there as well uh um, in, in that space, Especially you know, when it comes to kind of multi-cloud. And that's great, but let's not translate that to then say, oh, that means now we're gonna have to use the lowest common denominator, we're gonna use VMs everywhere on all three clouds because we want consistent uh, architecture as well. You fall short here, and, and I'll tell you why biggest biggest example. So I, I worked at, I worked on AWS. Uh, you know, in my kind of the last the role before my last, uh, where I worked on AWS, and that was my kind of first exposure to cloud. So all I knew was AWS at the time. So then when I came to my last role and I worked with G- GCP, uh, at first you know it was confusing and I and I thought that. Um, it was falling short. I think it wasn't mature enough. I put it down to that though, the, the, the inconsistent designs were down to maturity. What I, what I didn't, what I afterwards realised was that actually, it's far more superior, given that they had more chance to take what's been lessons learned from AWS and actually build it from the ground up. And they've taken it up to another level. Let's example is VPC. In AWS, VPCs are limited to regions, as in the scope of that VPC and the, it is limited to a region. Um, and um, not just that, the pattern that we see, uh, even in GCP or wherever, the pattern that we see with enterprises is that they're treating VPC as if it's a LAN, uh, so there will be like a non-production VPC, there will be a production VPC and even per application. And then in AWS you you're somewhat forced to do so because if you're dividing your AWS accounts to be each team has their own account, at which point you know by default each team has their own VPC and then you have all these VPC peering. Go to Google Google Cloud, right? Each each team can have their own GCP billing project, right? But they can all attach to a single shared VPC and that VPC is not limited to the region, it's is to the whole, well, uh, globally. So, and then on top of that, the the subnets again are not uh, um, per application or say per project, that can also be shared across multiple projects and you can have a single subnet, uh, technically speaking, technically, you can have a single subnet shared by non-production workload and a production workload and have application isolation. The thing is, you can't do that in AWS. So if you wanted to try consistent architecture, then you fall short because then you can't take advantage of some of those innovations that other clouds ha- have come out with. Uh, so in essence, really what you want to do is that in principle, where you want to be consistent is that, okay, we want to have application isolation and that's the consistent uh, principle objective regardless of the cloud. In Google Cloud, I will achieve that through single uh, say, for, say single VPC, a single subnet and then have them service account to service account. In AWS, okay, fair enough, multiple VPCs, but we can span a subnet and then have them isolated with security groups. So we can have, say, a DB tier and a web tier on the same subnet, but the security groups will isolate them from talking to each other, right? So the interpretation would be different. Some people may think, oh, there's a sprawl here, as in like, oh, how am I going to manage all of that? Well, this is the thing. We're not looking for unicorns, right? Rather, when we come to these low level, I, I say low level here, but at the point where it needs to manifest. So there's a difference between cloud architect and platform architect. The cloud architect would be the, your consistent guy who in principle understands like look in principle, this is what we need to achieve. We need to achieve you know, data protection, we need to achieve data isolation, and we need to achieve application workload isolation. Um, and then they would work along with your different platform platform architects to say, okay, you know, let's try and achieve that you know, natively. So you, GCP platform architect, you know, come out with the native way of doing so you, AWS cloud architect, cloud platform architect, come out with a native way of doing so. Obviously, at which point, there may be a, a next set of follow-on set of challenges maybe around the networking. But that's another challenge, right? The, the, which the, the networking piece is a, is a, is a huge challenge, uh, which I think many people are underestimating when it comes to multi-cloud. And we'll get to that. Um, coming back to obviously when, you, when you're asking me about this whole consistency and inconsistency, this is key. And I think the lack of skills or shortages here is because we're looking for the wrong type of people. Uh, and I feel uh, that what's come out of it is, is in, in reality, it's not true that there's a lack of skills. Rather, in reality, is that we're, what we're searching for doesn't exist. That's my take.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're, we're coming to time now, so I'll just kind of latch onto that. And that's exactly what I mean about the skills are transferable. If you understand how something works, you, you can take that, That same mindset and translate it to another cloud. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be like for like. What you need to do is you need to look at each cloud provider's um, best practices. So, like AWS has the, what's it called? The Well Architected Framework or something like that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Well
1: Architected Framework.
0: There you go. Uh, So, whatever they're saying in there, that is their recommended patterns for usage of their services, right? And you should absolutely take advantage of that when you're operating in that. But don't take your learnings from that and say, well, if that's how they're doing it, we should do this in Azure. Just understand the fundamentals of how things work in AWS, right? And what are and they then, trying to achieve? Exactly. And then take that knowledge. And when you move into another cloud, just say, okay, this is how it works on AWS. How does it work here? At the, ed- at the end of the day, this is the goal, right? How do I achieve that goal using this set of technology? 100%. Right? And that is very transferable, in my opinion, right? In 100%. terms of the, the, the detail of implementation, yeah, maybe you want someone that has a bit more experience with a specific set of tools or something like that. But, you know, you get to that at the end of the day. And it's it's like, how many times do you get a recruiter reach out to you about a role? And then, you know, you say, all right, give me the job description. And when you see the job description, you, you they're listing out all these things that you should have. And dude, they, they want a whole IT department.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you, you're never gonna get that. Like, you like yeah, you might maybe one person is like a, a jack of all and um, master of none, but ultimately what are, are you shooting yourself in the foot in the long term? Probably, you know, probably. And I think we just kind of need to think about these things here. Anyway, we're at time. Uh like I say, we'll post the link for this survey in the description for the podcast on all the platforms. Uh, definitely check it out if you have any views or opinions on this definitely please reach out to us Uh, Adil and I are both quite active on Twitter as well so uh, I'm just at devops uh, underscore Rob Uh, Adil what's your Twitter at?
1: I think it's at devops underscore Adil I'm going to have to double check now Uh, uh, (laughs) 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 yes it is it's at devops underscore Adil there you go I I hardly look at my own profile (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah definitely just just reach out to us of any thoughts or opinions like the like i say that the point of this podcast is to have these conversations you know we're we're not here to kind of fall in line with any kind of ethos or anything like that we're here to just be open and honest about why people are doing things the way they're doing it why we do things the way we're doing it and you know we're here to learn and, and and educate ourselves and equally share our learnings and educate you so help us on that journey. Uh, keep engaged until the next one stay safe and thank you so much for listening i've been devops rob and that's it
1: thank you and bye from devops the Deal.
0: you've been listening to keeping it secure with your host devops rob and devops the deal be sure to join us next time